the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. This month's episode of Women in Navy podcast. My name is Erica Carroll, and with me today is my lovely co-host Jennifer Goodyear. Hey, Jennifer. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm going to let Jennifer introduce our guests. Yeah. For once, I have someone with me right now. Our special guest, Bradford Ben. Bradford, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I was born very young and then grew up a little bit, and I've been working in the theme park and audio industry and video, etc. for 30 years at this point. Uh, I'm here in Orlando. I've worked for Harmon. I've worked for Universal. Uh, currently, I work for myself uh, at a consulting firm called Advisist. Uh, and everyone goes, how do you pronounce that and why? Well, a physics, a physicist is an expert in physics and advisist is an expert giving advice. So there's that. And I'm happy to be here. And we are proving that there is podcast inequity, just like meeting inequity by being in the same room. Yeah, but I feel like we have a special relationship here that you won't talk too much over me. As far as you know. Yeah, that's what we're going to try to aim for. <laughs> I'm setting my boundaries now. <laughs> and Catherine, go ahead. Tell us more about yourself. Hello. Good to see you guys. Um, Catherine Cordina. Um, I also was, uh, I've been in the industry for a very long time. I started in uh, the mid-90s, if you will. And um, I live in the very hot Dallas, Texas right now, hot and humid. Um, and, uh, I work for sound control technologies. Very cool. Well, we wanted to specifically this episode, talk to some industry experts and just see how the industry has changed. We haven't really done, we've talked about the now a lot and with our subjects. And since Bradford's known me since I was in diapers, I thought maybe he would be a good person to have on. And Catherine's been in the industry a long time and she's worked in different fields so she can give us different perspectives. So Erica, would you like to start with our first topic? Oh man. So, I mean, this is longer than I've been in the industry, which compared to you guys, it's like nothing, no offense, but <laughs> what, What's been like the most pivotal or groundbreaking or game changing uh, technology that's been introduced in AV? How has it shifted over the years? What was it like when you started versus what we see now? I'll start with Catherine. Well, that's a great question. So, um, so when I started in the industry, I started on the control side. I worked for AMX in the nineties and. Um, and back in the 90s, if you remember, everything was analog. Um, and I think the biggest thing through my career that I have lived through, experienced, and kind of gone from start to finish on, if you will, is that um, move from analog to digital and how all the manufacturers had to deal with a shift in um, that, that type of um, technology. And it was not 
uh, it was not graceful. Um, actually, actually, I think that it, that it, um, I think it threw a lot of people for a loop on how we were going to actually make that shift and how that was going to actually happen and, and be successful. And you had some manufacturers that were on the, the bleeding edge. You had some manufacturers that kind of waited in the wings to see if that was actually going to be a, um, a viable option as a movement within AV. So um, as you know, right now, everything is still in digital. <laughs> uh, so, it, so it lasted, um, but, but from, a, from a, a kind of a, a process, that was, that was the biggest thing I think that I've seen through my career from, like I said, kind of a start to a present, if you will, of, of what kind of stuck. How about you, Bradford? Uh, I very much agree with Catherine. Uh, I think there's two parts to the digital transformation, though. There's the hardware-based one and then the transports. Uh, so, for instance, be, I remember when crossovers were resistors and capacitors and inductors and you had to adjust them with that knob on the front and there were more phase shifts and then digital started coming in and replacing that and everything started going that way. And it still cracks me up that there are companies called Analog Way and Analog Devices <laughs> that make digital chips, but that's neither here nor there. Name recognition. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I think that's been a big change because it's changed the way systems are designed as it went to digital because more things could be done. Uh, mm -hmm. Such as, oh, I want to put in a 31-band EQ instead of a a 16-band EQ is just a software change, and you could tweak more finely than you could with analog. And then the other is obviously the digital transformation of first Cobranet and now Dante of just how much the yeah. infrastructure changes were. And that was a huge impact that I think not everyone understands how much of a culture shift that was and how much of an impact it had because all of the sudden a uh, category five cable could carry 64 channels of audio. Whereas before that would be a two inch piece of multi-pair and you needed a bigger piece of conduit. And then you had to solder them and troubleshoot and isolate them and all those things. So I think the transform to digital has been the biggest thing, and it's been, like I said, twofold, because yeah. even if you look today at quote-unquote analog devices, such as mixing consoles that have knobs instead of all being virtual, nine times out of ten, it's controlling an analog device inside or a digital device inside of it. I, I think my toothbrush even has a digital device inside of it to tell me <laughs> if I've brushed enough. But that's kind of been the biggest change in the last 20 years. Yeah, totally when, agree. Uh, when the industry had to basically say, everyone, this is chaos, we need to have some control here and switched over to AES 67. Did that make a big change for everyone? Did everyone jump on board or they kind of had to? I just hear stories, basically. So from my point of view, AES 67 is more of interoperability transport than control because right. of it's 
I don't want to say an open source version of Dante, but it uses a lot of the same protocols. It's what people thought AV, Ethernet AVB, now TSN, time-sensitive networking is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of companies did the, okay, it's an open standard just like AES3 was. We don't have to pay licensing, et cetera. So that was a big change. But then still, a lot of companies for various business reasons do the no we're going to use our protocol you know you look at qlan it's their protocol you look at Harmon and blue link it's their protocol yamaha and tascam have protocols uh there's advantages to that and disadvantages i think the other thing is looking at it from a straight control point of view uh going to tcpip from rs232 became a huge bonus, but no one agreed on how it's supposed to work. Uh, there are various protocols ranging from, it used to be AAS 192 to OSC for open sound control uh, that would allow you in theory to do all of this control. But I think as we all know with AMX and Crestron and QSYS, and I can list many more control for, you know, that's never actually happened. And I think the marketplace hasn't asked for it enough yet. Uh, but that's been one of those things that's changed is because of IP and how much control one can get. And IP meaning internet protocol, uh, that control has kind of gone way open and way over yeah. the top, but each person is doing it their own way. And part of that console needs different controls than a microphone does. Well, and if you just if you just look as a whole and take it even just in a broader statement, I mean, AV has never really been big on standards. I mean, there's never been a whole lot of um, um, true standards that we define ourselves by, if you will. Um, so that just kind of tags on to what you were saying as far as... Um, you know, how things flow. So specifically for technology adherence, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of standardized protocols out there that are not as widely adopted, like yeah. HDBase-T, you know, if that was a, a standard that everybody went by, we'd have a lot more interoperability as well. Um, yeah. I, I have a question for, for you, Catherine, now, because we worked at a particular um, signal distribution and control manufacturer together. <laughs> um, and when I came into the industry just over a, a decade ago, I had to learn what RS-232 was because that was way before my time, but it was still very prevalent here. And where we worked, we used like RS-232 over IP. Yeah. Do you see RS-232 as an antiquated language slash technology do you see it sticking around great question <laughs> it is right now <laughs> yeah it's never going away it's, it's not broke don't it's, it. it's the approach of the control industry jennifer that's a good that's a good way to say it <laughs> that's a great question though but i right now yeah i think i think it's around for a bit yeah. Can I piggyback on that and ask what other technology, so there's been so many technologies introduced. Bradford and I were just talking about this, that uh, with the CTS books, how are they going to 
come up with new books every three months when there's new technology constantly being thrown yeah. into our industry. Is there a technology that has come out recently that you think is here for good? I Okay, so ooh, this gets kind of rough to my heart on this, but um, I, as much as it's unregulated and whatnot right now, I think the technology of AI is not going to go away. It's, I, I um, personally am a little afraid of it <laughs> in a lot of regards, um, but, um, but I think that technology is here to stay. And I also think that VR virtual reality is here to stay. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a fad. Um, I think they, there's a lot of really cool use cases for something like virtual reality. And there are some cool use cases for AI. But um, but then then again, you look at those technologies and you have to look at how would they actually be incorporated into all of the different things that an AV integrator, an AV company actually does. You know, so I think that there's going to be a, um, a percentage of business that goes that direction. But then there's going to be a percentage of business that remains um, the different workday place type technology that we see that we're doing currently. Um, the way that we do things changes um, and we see it change based upon different cool things, but you have to really look at use case scenarios for those types of technologies um, in whether it's a standard boardroom or are you doing something else within um, training facilities or something like that. Um, I think, you know, those those technologies have their places, but I think they're, and I kind of think they're going to stick around. How about you, Bradford? I mean, I, if I were to ask you about AI, I think it needs to be at the bar. So we have three hours for you to tell me your <laughs> Oh, I want to be sure. at that bar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have an opinion on it, but what technology do you think is here to stay? Uh, actually, what we're using now, uh, remote meeting technology and working from anywhere. Uh, mm -hmm. I also agree that AI is here to stay, but I also think that AI is overused as the, as a term. Uh, I've had people explain to me that acoustic echo cancellation is AI, and I'm kind of like, that was out on Codex <laughs> back in the 2000s where there wasn't that much processing. So I think there's also a certain amount of AIs being thrown on everything. But I yeah. think the work from any place whether that be recording studios where you can stream audio and record locally, kind of like what we're doing here, or if it's just I'm having a meeting and I'm doing it here instead of going to the office. I think that is the it's AV technology that's here to stay. I think there is going to be enhancements and tweaks uh, with it as there are to everything, but I think online meetings and work from anywhere is a here to stay thing. I, you know what I think is so interesting about that, which I totally agree with you, Bradford, 100%. But um, think back like, oh, I hate to say it. Think back 20 years when um, we actually were doing distance learning. With satellites. Yeah, and nobody, <laughs> nobody kind of outside of, you know, a select uh, vertical or a select, because a lot of that was like education facilities kind of being on a cutting edge of, um, of um, you know, that remote learning, if you will. Nobody knew about it, many people. And now look at it. I mean, mm -hmm. every, if 
you can't talk to a person today that doesn't understand when you say something about video conferencing or, or whatnot, but you know, this was started. <laughs> yeah. With satellites, you know, yep. 20 years ago, something yeah. maybe even prior to 20 years. I don't know. I can't give an exact date, but I think, you know, it was back before that. Yeah. But yeah, I will also say uh, to go with that uh, because you used to work at AMX and, I put in a lot of AMX and the fact that we used to do remote monitoring and control via US Robotics 14.4 dial-up modem hooked up via RS-232, <laughs> which is registered standard number 232, wow. and a null modem cable into an Accent 3 frame or a mainframe. Yeah. So, but we're still doing that nowadays. But everyone thinks it's, oh, my God, this new thing, we're going to the cloud and remote monitoring. I'm like, I was doing yeah. that last century with <laughs> yeah. what, What's new about this? You bring up an, an interesting point, because one thing I thought about in, I mean, my experience, again, shorter time frame, something that's been a, a big differentiator. When I started, I was at Digital Projection, which was like, you know, home cinema for the elite, basically. Um, and something I have seen more and more recently is how easy it is for the average person to control their homes and program with easy, you know, IOT devices. And that was traditionally really reserved for the rich. So I feel like that was, it's part of this trans transformative, you know, switch of things that everybody used to do in, in the past was a lot more difficult and complicated and paid for that expertise. And now, Anybody can do it. Yeah, there was a horror. Remember, Erica, there was like a horror film when we were growing up about a smart house, and they they were stuck. oh, it like locked them in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now <laughs> that would not be a horror film because everyone has that, and they would know how to get out. Of right. <laughs> and I do think that's that's an interesting point because it's one of my pet peeves that I yell at the kids with to get off my lawn or I'll beat them with my cane, uh, <laughs> is that it's become easy. So a lot of the fundamentals are getting lost in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, of the, how do you find a ground loop? And people are like, why would you get a ground loop? Well, you can still get it for this, this, and this, or how do I terminate an RJ 45 connector, or how do I test this? A lot of those, Oh, I just plug in a microphone and it works kind of has right. lost some of the, the things that add value for integrators and for designers of the, okay, this works, but this is a better solution. And here's right. why. We'll kind of just take the analogy of um, back with uh, records verse, CDs versus digital music. I mean, yeah. you know, there's nothing like a record on a record machine from a mm -hmm. from a sound perspective, right? And there's, you know, there's they're great. I mean, I wish I had one. <laughs> but, well, you can buy them again now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah you can. So and there's um, popping up everywhere. That's like technology. That's coming back. I mean, it's heartbreaking when you. I just has anyone. Seen, Sorry, I'm segueing all over the place, but has anyone seen the Blackberry movie that came out about, okay, so it's about the Blackberry. I've heard great things about it. It's amazing. <laughs> I watched it over the weekend. It was so, 
watch it immediately. It's got great reviews. It was really, really good. I loved my BlackBerry. I was obsessed. And I really struggled having to switch. Now I obviously love my iPhone. But is there any technology from an AV standpoint that you've either been heartbroken to watch leave or would be heartbroken if it left? That's an interesting question. So again, back to like when I was at digital projection at the time, people were like, oh, projection's going to die. Displays are getting bigger. But at the same time, I'm like, uh, we're mapping onto castles and pyramids. I, you can't do that with a display. So <laughs> I would say for me, the things that I'm seeing go away that I very much miss uh, are analog multiple controls on a device because there can be a five band parametric EQ that's digital and sounds great and has great phase response and 132 dB dynamic range and this and that. But just being able to go over and turn the knobs and tweak it till it squeaks is mm -hmm. something I miss because I think that loses a lot of the control you have and a lot of the spontaneity and a lot of the art because now it's, let me open up my software, go to seven layers deep. Even if you're working on a console, it's going to have a little screen that you have to adjust everything through. And that's one of those technologies that I miss it, not because it was analog, but because the interface was better. Yeah. That's your version of losing the BlackBerry clicking that everyone was yeah. addicted to. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's it's the whole going from a hard keyboard to a virtual keyboard yeah. that broke everyone on the iPhone. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was going to say on the other side of that, what are you excited yeah. to see in the future? Where do you oh. think we're going to go 10 or 20 years from now? I think that things are... Um are going to continue down the path with obviously with video conferencing. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think that if you start looking at all the, uh, go back to the Jetsons cartoons and go back to the Simpsons, they can totally predict what's coming. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think that that's going to be something that, um, continues. Although, um, I, I believe just based on some things that I've read and whatnot, that, um, offices are not going to go away. Um, I think that that the hybrid workspace is going to continue, but I think that um, that what you what we're building of this next upcoming generation is kind of a little bit interesting because it does have to do with technology, which is you've got this generation that's grown up that started in elementary school on virtual learning. And, you know, that that trend of virtual learning and virtual working and things like that, I think that's going to kind of guide that generation into the next the next big thing, if you will, of what do those um, or the, that generation expect from technology? Because, you know, you look at you look at the kids that, you know, we chuckle at the videos that you see where kids have an analog phone, you know, that has a thing and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to make a phone call. I think that's just going to continue with with technology and and the next big things that that are coming. So, I don't know. That doesn't really answer the question, but No, it does. <laughs> Kids are guiding the future. Yeah. I think we're going to see more and more middleware 
as the next item. And for those who aren't familiar with the term middleware, we've all used it. We just don't realize it. Uh, it's the piece of software that that lets item A talk to item B, even though they don't speak natively. And that's going to be the big thing in AV is that middleware piece. But it's not just going to be control. Uh, we already see it with plugins for Adobe Audition and Audacity and for Waves consoles and all those. So I see that that middleware and modular software, so to speak, is going to be the next big 20-year thing. And I also think uh, this is where I think AI is going to make an impact and we're going to miss it, uh, is people are going to load things like this, the podcast, et cetera, into a piece of software that's AI-driven and hit remove echo, balance levels, increase intelligibility, and not actually learn how to do that. I think those are going to be the, the things, and that will be the thing that we can't deal without. It's like we were debating Codex. Uh, Jennifer and I were debating Codex before as we were examining a microphone and trying to figure out what was the microphone sound and what was the video Kodak sound. And I think now being able to go, oh, I want this codec instead of that is going to become more available. Yeah, that was actually something that um, Erica and I talked about when we were at Infocom. We were trying to see uh, what is the big trend? What are you seeing more on the show floor? And we both agreed we think everyone is accepting that they need to work together. So third-party integration is just not no longer a nice-to-have. Some products wrap their head around it that maybe in the future, like you're saying, in the future, everyone's going to basically need to work together with their middleware. And Yeah, that's a very good point. And Catherine, you and I, mm -hmm. knowing AMX, uh, that's yeah. what AMX was. That's what Crestron is. That's what OSC yeah. is. There are so many different items that do that. Even if you're looking at an Elgato Stream Deck, it's middleware. And that's, yeah, that's going to be the big piece nowadays. And I think it's it's one of the reasons that that home assistants are so prevalent because they put in that middleware that does all of that communication for you. But you know, Bradford, you know what I find interesting about that too, is that look, so when I started um, at AMX, um, we were a control system company. That's what AMX was, right? Crestron was a control system company. AMX was a control system company. Extron made switchers, AutoPatch made switchers. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was everybody playing in everybody else's sandbox. AMX bought AutoPatch, um, you know, Crestron designed their own switching system, whatever, but they started playing in their own sandbox and they wanted everybody to only work with their products, right? So I feel like we've gone like, we've gone from um, separate everything to everybody, everybody has to work with other manufacturers to, hey, let's just work with us. And we're splitting back out to we've got to be able to work with everybody. So I feel like we've kind of come somewhat full circle mm -hmm. to we're back to, OK, we've got to be able to work with other with other manufacturers and and everybody needs to kind of work together. You may offer product lines within 
other people's sandbox, if you will, which now there's just beach. <laughs> there is no sandbox, it's all just beach. Um, there is no but, sandbox. I like that. Yeah, but people are, manufacturers are realizing that they do have to go back to being able to work with having their products talk to other manufacturers' products. It, it's not just going to be an all for one. Um, because if you look at an integrator, an integrator, I think, in my opinion, wants to be creative and wants to have that freedom to say, I can do this and I can do that. And I can have these, um, you know, manufacturers work together to create this solution. And that is the solution that our customer wants. Right. And if and if the freedom is not there to integrate, I mean, what does the word integrate mean? I mean, it, it you know, it it kind of gives you the the um, the thought process that that's going to be created for an ultimate solution, whether it's one manufacturer or 40 manufacturers that are all talking together. So I think we've, I think we've come full circle. <laughs> I agree with you. And I, I think it's, I'm not going to say human nature. I think the better phrase is business nature of the manufacturers want you to buy their entire product family. So they make it work sure. together. And until, until that's either broken or made successful, people are going to keep doing this. And I honestly think it's never going to be made successful because there's too many variables. It's like, tell me which one speaker you're going to use for every project. Yeah. Something that Jen and I like to ask everybody is how you got into AV. <laughs> and I Thanks. really like asking this because yeah. Now, when we're talking to people that are just entering the industry, it's their first five years. Some of them are actually finding their way in because they, like, if I have a friend of mine that's in the industry, they graduated from, yeah, they graduated <laughs> from wholesale and wanted to do AV. They didn't just fall into it. But I'm assuming 15, 20 years ago, there's no path. You just fall in. What happened to you? How'd you get here? Uh, I actually studied technical theater, specializing in lighting and sound design in college. I was actually even recruited for it. So I've been interested in avian technology. Literally, I can remember getting a Panasonic plastic cassette deck when I was five and playing with the cassette and making it make weird sounds. So I didn't have a choice. You were always. Here. I was always, but. It was one of those things where, though, in the 80s, you know, it was theater or it was music production. There wasn't integration as a known thing. And then I happened to come down to Florida and got a job working in theme parks. And the rest, as they say, is history. But that's honestly how I got here was I toured rock and roll. I used to mix at various events. Uh, it's what I've been doing since I was six, you know, five or six. It's just, that's it. You know, it's like some people say it's my calling. Okay. It's my calling. I see that. I a hundred percent believe that <laughs> knowing it. anyone that talks to you for, I think five minutes, because this is the AV unicorn. He's always meant to do this. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it, it sounds funny. It's, it's what I do. It's that's it. Now, can I turn it off at night and just watch a movie? No, I have to go to certain movie theaters. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things of it's 
just what I've been doing forever. And it started as I enjoyed doing it in high school, got recruited in college, and then found a successful career path. So it, I'm not going to say it was intentional, but the audio industry was intentional, but I didn't know about integration when I took the job. Gotcha. How about you, Catherine? It's the exact same story I have. <laughs> no, I, I fell into it. I tripped. I fell. I tried to get away. It didn't happen. But um, my dad was a, um, a manufacturer's rep for components, for uh, board level components. And he repped a line called Phoenix Contact. And um, he used to sell AMX every single Phoenix connector that they bought back in the day. And um, I graduated from college and he said, time to get a job. Um, there's this really cool company that I call on and um, they're a technology company and you should, you should go talk to them. And in, in wonderful dad fashion, we did my resume together and he delivered my resume <laughs> to AMX. And um, after some fun interviews and um, with Scott Miller at the time, just, it, you know, the culture, the culture was there. Um, I didn't have a clue about, I knew I wanted to do sales or business development of some, some sort, um, but that's not where I started. I started in the training department, making manuals, um, learning the, learning about technology because I had no idea what AMX did. And, um, Really, really happy that I found or that it found me um, because it's been a fun ride. Um, it's not over yet. It's been a fun ride. And um, and I love the fact that there's just so many amazing people in this industry. And I I'm happy that we're, you know, promoting finding new people in our industry, because I think that so many people trip and fall and you know, run into it that I feel like we're growing up. Like we're, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're growing up in, in the way that people can actually find us um, as, as a, as a, a true career path, a true um, um, way to, way to go and drop into it. So yeah, I just yeah, well, love it. On that note, I want to do a shameless plug because Jen and I have been working on the Rosie Riveters <laughs> Explores Pro AV fundraiser. You can find out more at avgives.com. Last year, you and Kelly Perkins um, hosted the Dallas events. Now, first, I also want to say last year, Bradford was our uh, elite sponsor with Advisist. And thank you so much for that and your continued efforts. Um, in Dallas, we were able to provide kits for elementary schools. And y'all went in there and you actually did a career day and you were able to talk to the kids and do an assembly. And we're actually exposing AV as a career to elementary age children. Yeah. That that to me is like blowing my mind. Yeah. Kelly and I had the best time doing that. Um, she and I raised, um, for Rosie Riveters, I think we raised like $3,500 for that. It provided 250 yeah. kits. I think one of the cool things that I don't even know if I told you guys this, but we were in a classroom and a couple of the kids were like, we have our bracelets. They're like, that's awesome. 
you remember. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it it was amazing to be able to talk to them about AV and technology and and you know kind of looking at a classroom and saying, do you know that this this is a a true career that you can do? And um, you know these were fifth graders and really smart fifth graders. One one young girl actually said, my dad's in that industry. <laughs> We're like, who's your dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how we know them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very high probability. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're so pleased and, and we want, you know, we want to do more of that. Um, Kelly and I personally, cause that's a, yeah. a big passion of ours as well. So, yeah, I want to bring that actually full circle is because Bradford was our title sponsor, our elite sponsor. It, it was a situation where I couldn't really get any, well, us, we couldn't really get anyone on board at first. It was all just personal sponsors. We weren't moving the needle at all. And Bradford was very passionate when he spoke to me on the phone. He's like, this is important. This is so, so, so important. Like we need to get grassroots. We need to get in there. We need to talk to these kids. We need to show these girls that this is an existing industry to begin with and that they belong here. And it, I was just really so moved and touched that he wanted to give so much and get us started. And it's really cool to see it come full circle that Catherine and Kelly went and spoke to these students and got them interested. Yeah. So you get to see it come full circle. Yeah. Thank you, Bradford. Yeah. We appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Welcome. And of course, obviously, we got to talk about upcoming year and what excitement is going on. Yeah. So, yeah, it was I actually. Uh, it was very important to me and still is that we get people, even if they're not going to be an AV, I know horrors of horrors, uh, but just the whole science, technology, engineering. I also believe in arts and math. Uh, you know, that getting that all exposed to everyone to me is a huge thing. Uh, getting people in AV, great. Getting them in science, great. It's, there's too many underrepresented people yeah. around that have a lot of really smart things to add. And I want to try to make sure that they have their chance. And we love yeah. that. And I think that's going to change. I mean, we, I don't know if we have too much time left to talk about it. I know one of our topics was how the culture has changed. I can't speak to how the culture has changed, but from what these people on our call are doing, the culture will change. I really do see the future changing with what we're doing. I agree. Well, we are sort of at the top of our time here. So um, I would like to thank you both for joining us here today. Catherine Cordina. Thank you, ma'am. Where can people find you? Thank you, guys. Um, you can find me at soundcontrol.net um, and um, or just on LinkedIn. I, you know, I, I check the socials every now and then. <laughs> but um, thank you for thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's good to see you guys. Absolutely. And Bradford, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for letting me steal you. He wasn't even going to do this. He was in another room getting a demo, and I pulled him in here against his will. It was he's strong. He's yeah, really it, strong. It was difficult. It, she promised me beer afterwards. I did. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're 
Where can we find you? Uh, at Home State Brewing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, probably advises.com, A-D-V-I-S-I-S-T.com, which is my company, or on LinkedIn, of course. And because this is an AV Nation podcast, you might be able to find my company Twitter handle, Lampooning Tim's Bears, uh, because certain things have to stay, even though I personally have dropped off of Twitter. Okay. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end the show, I think. That's amazing. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you both. And we hope you all have a great week. <laughs>